Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Sweet Lips, Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to ask, have I ever noticed Sweet Lips on a map or ever traveled through it? I haven't. I have no knowledge of Sweet Lips. You know, I've heard some people refer to you as Sweet Lips, so I just figured maybe... Please don't tell me who they are. (laughs) So anyway, Sweet Lips, Tennessee, and you got to believe the people who live in Sweet Lips, Tennessee are kind of nice people. It just sounds like nice people, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like it'd be warm, friendly people. Yeah. And and you located it, right? I did. And it's uh, northeast of Memphis, Tennessee. So it's over that western part of the state. Well, hey, we were going to talk about eye contact, eye gaze, and haptics last week, and we got off on some storytelling about some ship captains, and we're probably going to continue with some of those stories this week, but we really want to get on to haptics or touching behavior. And I guess I want to start with a question you, Brad. How do you view touching behavior right now in our current culture? Well, in the current culture, I view touching as a real dilemma Hmm. because there's so much sensitivity built around inappropriate touching and a lot of the sexual problems that have occurred that have hit the news and celebrities and so on, that touching is is a very difficult issue to know how best to approach it. In fact, as you were saying, it strikes me that the real issue in our current culture, it's a cross-gender touching issue. That in fact, with men 30 years ago, I don't think I would have seen as many bro hugs where you grab a hand and then you give a hug. That just didn't happen as much. And now it seems to be a pretty uniform behavior that when you greet someone, particularly someone you know, you're probably going to give them a hug, men to men. But the issue is the cross-gender touching. Now, how important is it, do you think, in terms of touching behavior as a nonverbal communication? Well, formerly as a teacher, finding a way to make touching contact with my students was an important part of my commitment to them to demonstrate regard, to demonstrate a degree of closeness that they could count on, that they could trust. And I do know that there's research that says in our culture, if you don't touch, people don't feel, they, they honestly don't feel the depth of your relationship. I was always impressed when I thought of neonatal care, that they had grandpas and grandmas come in and rock newborn infants whose parents were not available. And it resulted in studies done on a what's called a failure to thrive. What they found out was that if infants aren't touched, they fail to thrive. Hmm. They actually cannot grow. They don't develop. Mm-hmm. It's that important. So I put a lot of weight on touching as a means of adding depth to a relationship, demonstrating regard, demonstrating authentic affection. And without it, sometimes relationships feel pretty hollow. If we think of interpersonal communication as essentially making contact with another human being, then touch becomes an integral part of that. And when we think of nonverbal communication, not surprisingly, touch is a critical part of being effective as a nonverbal communicator. So I think our position would be, twins talk, clear-cut communication, is it's not so much should I, shouldn't I touch. We should be touching, but it's how we do that. And it's particularly how we do that in cross-gender communication that is both appropriate and acceptable. And in fact, in that regard, 
I'd want to lay a backdrop of two theories about nonverbal behavior that I think are valuable as a context when we think about this particular area, because it has, has the potential of being so problematic. One background, we developed a theory called rules theory. And that essentially said that as people make contact with each other in interpersonal spaces, they begin to develop rules. So if I do something, let's say I shake hands with you, in our relationship, I've kind of established a rule that in these contexts, we'll shake hands. In that same vein, there was another theoretical framework that talked about the concept of bid theory, where people make bids. In a card game, you would make a bid to do something. Well, in interpersonal communication, these scholars were saying people make bids when they initiate a behavior. And if that bid is accepted, it becomes a part of the relationship. So I'll give you a for instance. When we began to bump into this in terms of sexual harassment issues, a fellow would walk up and throw his arm around a business partner or something like that, and she wouldn't say anything at the moment. Now, she may have been cringing inside and certainly later on reported that it was a totally unacceptable behavior on that individual's part. But in the moment, she just accepted it and said, if this happens again, I'll, I'll have to deal with it, but I'm going to let it pass this time. Well, unbeknownst to her, in bid theory, he just made a bid and you accepted it. Therefore, it's now become a part of the relationship. So three weeks later, when he does the same thing, and finally she reacts and says, this is unacceptable. I'm not going to deal with this. He's surprised and said, I don't get it. Because in his mind, you had accepted the bid in the first place. And one of the things that I found is it makes it very hard on those who don't want to accept any particular kind of touching. And they don't say it the first time. They've now created an issue. And so it puts a lot of pressure on them to be heads up and to say, if there's anything going on in the nonverbal space that's unacceptable to me, I need to speak to it immediately. Have you been doing any reading or researching recently on what are the lines that are acceptable, where is touching appropriate, and where it is inappropriate? Well, there's been some interesting historical research studying it in terms of body part. And what they did is they examined the human body. They have these graphs. Look, when you go to the supermarket and it's got the cow with dotted lines, with certain pieces of the cow, which you could buy it. Well, they actually did that with human body. And what they came up with was that the shoulder and the elbow were the clearest places that were acceptable to touch that had the least amount of negative implications or negative potential in terms of cross-gender touching. So the idea of touching a shoulder or the idea of touching an elbow, those were the least complicated places. Now, I know you and I had been talking about this, and some of it comes right down to getting permission from the other, right? So talk a little bit about uh -huh. you, what you would see as an approach to how you figure out what's acceptable, what's not. Well, there are situations that seem to me to stimulate the interest or the, the want to to make physical contact. If you're in contact with someone who's going through a particularly hard time, mm. a grief, a loss, some sort of difficulty that's causing them to feel very stressed. I think for me, there's a very much a want to to add the dimension of touch as a commitment to their well-being, as a commitment to them mm -hmm. personally. And so if it's someone I don't know, certainly at all, then I don't presume that it's okay, but I might ask, would you mind if I gave you a hug or some other way physically provided some support for you? So that's one of the approaches I would use. And I'm personally not someone who's a natural at that in terms of wanting to step in and do that with people I don't know. So I'm one who would move into it slowly anyway. 
There are some pretty straightforward, obvious touching behaviors that I think almost everybody would recognize. One is when you touch someone, you don't do it for an extended period of time. The longer you do it, the more problematic it becomes. So a quick hug versus a lengthy hug. Another one that I've always found interesting in this whole bid theory, there was a term that came up called uninvited, non-reciprocal touching. How academic can you get? What it really meant was you touch someone in a way that they can't touch you back. And the best example we have would be teachers in elementary schools who walk through the rows of a classroom and they tap kids on the head, a third grader. Well, no third grader is going to stand up and try to tap the teacher on the head. So it's uninvited. I didn't ask you to do this. And it's non-reciprocal. I can't reciprocate and touching. Well, that actually also transfers to adults. There are ways in which you can engage in behaviors that are uninvited and they're non-reciprocal. So, for example, if I were to walk up to, I would say, a business partner, a business associate, and throw my arm around their shoulder, they really can't reciprocate that without us getting involved in a big hug or something like that, and it wasn't invited. So there is an issue there that's a little more refined than the obvious, which is you need to be aware of what that communicates and whether you want to engage in it. And what it essentially communicates is the person who does the uninvited, non-reciprocal touching is communicating power. It is what we would call a power move. And for some people, totally acceptable. For others, they react to that sense of being controlled. I'm watching you nod. Any other observations on that one? No, I think it sounds complicated. It is put in vernacular that's difficult to interpret at times. But that's exactly right. A lot of times, in a lot of professional settings I've been in, and unfortunately, it's particularly men historically who's done that, who feel at liberty to touch someone in a way that they didn't invite and would never have returned Mm -hmm. uh, to them. And I think that just became habit. And the assumption of, uh, you say, power is absolutely clear that uh, it would not have been from a subordinate to a boss. It would have been the other way only. Yeah. You know, one of the places, and we approached this earlier, of why touch is important. I want to tell a story. When we were both working at a small college in Michigan, there was a person on the staff there whose wife I saw at a meeting. And my very first reaction to her was, this is a very formidable person, very intimidating, very stoic. She had very high cheekbones. Uh, She was very thin, uh, shallow cheeks, very stern, nonverbal facial expressions. My first reaction to her was, well, this is a person I don't think I'm going to like. And it was just my first reaction. Well, about a month into being at that college, I realized I had a totally different feeling about her. I was just so amazed and how positive I felt about her that I thought, you know, I'm going to have to examine why this is because it's so disparate from my first impression. And so I did some observing. Finally, one day she was walking by my office and I asked her if she would step in for a moment. And I said, you know, Ruth, I want to let you know I'm on to you. And she said, what? And I said, I'm on to you. I know what you're doing. And so I told her my first impressions. And I said, I was really quite surprised at how those changed so dramatically and how warm I feel about you. And I said, you touch people when you talk to them. You will make physical contact with them as you're speaking with them. And she smiled pretty broadly, and she said, yes, I do. She explained that she was raised in a very uh, non-demonstrative home. It was a very strong religious home, very conservative. They didn't kiss, they didn't hug, they didn't touch. And that combined with her physical appearance caused a lot of people to be put off to her. Her chosen profession was nursing. 
And she was told early in her career, unless you can figure out how to make contact with someone, and that meant non-verbally, you're going to get drummed out of the business. Well, at the time I was speaking with her, she was the head of the University of Michigan School of Nursing. She had risen to the top of her profession. And she said to me, and the only way I got there was learning and disciplining myself to actually make contact. So I do it every time. And what that told me is, hey, touch is important and she's figured it out. And I think we all have to. I mean, that, that's the storyline for me. We can't avoid it and we shouldn't avoid it. What we need to figure out is what's the best way for us to make contact with others. Bob, I know that you know people who are both naturals in using touch as a part of their communication style and others who aren't. Yes. Who are awkward, who feel very limited. It's very hard for them to make that kind of contact. What do you recommend to them? From your experience, how does one learn to go ahead and make the effort in order to become a little bit more natural at it, even if it's not a natural uh, choice for them? Well, Ruth's story is a great story in that regard. You decide you are going to make more contact. That ultimately, if you're going to be more effective as a communicator, you're going to make physical contact. Then you decide what's most comfortable for you. Now, it may well be that a handshake is the best you can do. Or this notion of just touching someone lightly on the elbow or the shoulder as you talk to them are, I think, first steps for those who feel uncomfortable with it. We were talking the other day about one of our favorite movies, Remember the Titans. And one of the scenes in that movie that always strikes me so funny is when the African-American linebacker meets the white linebacker's mother for the first time. And she's very racist and uncomfortable. He's oblivious to it. He just walks in and gives her this big hug and picks her up right off the ground. Now, clearly, she was uncomfortable with that. But in the movie, it demonstrated, here's this guy who really wants to reach out and make contact. So I think for the person who's a natural at it, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to end up wanting to hug somebody that's going to resist, and they're going to feel a bit uncomfortable. You have to be aware of that and back off quickly maybe even apologize. But I think you need to continue to be you and figure out ways you can do that. Because I think most people will figure it out and figure out how to get over it. But those would be my reactions. What about yours? That's a great uh, example. And what was fascinating to me was that as this athlete, this young man, teenager, picked up this mom, her discomfort was obvious, but it wasn't caused by him. Hmm. It was in her. Uh huh. And she would have been uncomfortable with anyone touching her. Yes, I mean, if it's a grown man or maybe even a family member. So there are times when you could choose to try and touch someone where they get uncomfortable and it's in them. It's not in you. It's not that your touch or your effort to use that in communication was a problem. The problem is that they're ju it's just so foreign to them to be touched. Yes. And it is appropriate that if that's recognized that you back off, that you not cause them to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But that's not the same as trying to touch someone in a way that benefits you, but not them. There, That's a great observation, too. I think the idea of you've got to be sensitive to the fact that is this just me meeting my need, or am I really sensitive enough to the other person to recognize that touch is a good thing, and I've got to figure out how to do it in an appropriate way that meets a need that they might have versus a need that I have. Now, we are getting very close to time, and frankly, I want to tell one or two captain stories before we break with this particular Sure, go ahead. But I want you to have one because we both okay. have captains enough. The one story I want to tell about touching is when I worked with ship captains, and most of them were Norwegian, Scandinavian captains that really did not like touch. These were people who really 
were uncomfortable with any kind of touching behavior. And the experience that I remember was when they would have their responsibility of touring the ship, when the ship was at sea and making contact. And I remember saying to the captain, what's the purpose of this walkthrough? It's to make contact with the customers on the ship. And to the person, they would walk by 10, 20, 30 people, never make eye contact, never nod, never acknowledge, never say anything to them at all, and then reach out to one person and stand there with them for up to two or three minutes. And so I was pretty quick after they had to do this twice a week to begin to talk to them. I said, do you know how many people you passed and made no contact with whatsoever? non-verbally. You didn't shake their hand. You didn't say, how are you? You didn't smile. You didn't make eye contact. And they were oblivious to it because they thought communication was walking up to someone and having this conversation. So I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to next round, go down that ship and every person you see, you acknowledge them in some way. If you're close enough, reach out and shake hands with them. If you're not, nod your head, make eye contact, say, how are you today? Where are you from? And just keep moving. Do not stop. I want you to take the entire ship deck by deck and never stop and just keep moving all the way. But make contact with hundreds of people rather than these four or five people. Well, two things we found out. One, it wasn't near as uncomfortable for them as they thought it would be. And they loved the idea that they didn't have to stop and talk to anybody. And I said, that's what interpersonal communication is about, is simply making contact. So what you need to do is think about the idea of doing it quickly and moving through and making contact with as many people as you can. So that was my example of thinking, we've got this misunderstanding of how long we have to do it or what it means. And if we just realize it's just about making contact, then we can move on quickly. But we've made contact by touching them. That's my story. The story I would have is of a Greek captain of a ship who viewed all of the customers as dangerous obstacles to his success, because well, now, his this success. was this was the guy you were talking about last week that uh, liked yeah, the screw yeah. but didn't like the uh, the customers. Yeah, go ahead. Right. And what was interesting was he could make contact with people shaking hands because that was a professional obligation. Hmm. But what he couldn't do or didn't do was use that as a way to be warm or friendly. Hmm. Huh. He used that as a way to be official and professional and distant. Ah. And so one of the things I asked him to do with regard to that touch is I wanted him to shake hands a bit closer. Ah. But I mean, he was like a full yard away. He stuck his hand out as far as he could get it. The stiff arm grab. Right. So I just want you to reach less, close that gap a little bit. Hmm. And it was interesting to me and to him, the impact it had on the visitors, that they saw him as more personal, less being professional in the distant sense. Mm-hmm. Less being official or diplomatic, but more being interested or willing to make contact. Even closing that distance a little bit and adding a smile or speaking in a more familiar way, a more familiar tone, can do what you want touch to do. And it really combines with our previous conversation around proximics, because you're exactly. moving into space. that personal space, you're making it more personal, more intimate, and you're creating that personal feel. Well, listen, we are out of time again, but for me, this is always a fun topic. Summarizing, touch is important, do it, but figure out how to do it. And this is really an important part of nonverbal communication is being able to make that touching behavior at work for you. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com.
com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. Thank you.